Hello, friends. My name is Joe Irwin Bettner, and this is the Eyes in Oklahoma podcast. Appreciate you guys for making us a part of your day. On today's episode, Abby Bitterman of the Norman Transcript is back with us talking OU softball, which was uh, quite the quite the weekend for the Sooners out in California. A bit uneventful for Jocelyn Allo, who's still chasing that home run record, but a lot of other things to kind of go over as far as the pitching staff goes and some of the youth uh, that is uh, starting to kind of show with Oklahoma some adversity they dealt with. I think you all will really enjoy the discussion. Before we get into that, just want to remind you guys that the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, it would be greatly appreciated. Helps get the word out about the show. Uh, You can also, I think, give us five stars on Spotify. Not quite sure how that rating system works, but appreciate all of you guys for subscribing uh, to the pod, listening to the pod, and uh, telling us what you think. Uh, Really does mean a lot to us. So don't want to waste any more of your time. Here is my conversation with Abby Bitterman. Abby, how are you? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Doing great on pins and needles right now, just waiting for this home run record from Joss Nalo to be broken. As we record this on a Tuesday, OU coming off of the Mary Nutter Classic, which was kind of the place to be if you're a softball fan this past weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I saw some tweets uh, from a couple people, um, Jordy Ball included, just about, you know, how the stage for softball is continuing to get bigger. And I know a lot of that crowd had to do with um, people wanting to watch history potentially being made by, and then inevitably inevitably not being made by Jocelyn Allo, which we'll get to in a second. But um, just as someone who, you know, and I've talked about a lot, absolutely loves the game of softball and loves to see it grow like that. I mean, I don't, it was just it was just great to see so many people there watching the games. Um, it kind of reminded me of like a really big travel ball tournament. Uh, maybe it was the fencing, you know, that made me uh, reminisce to my travel ball days and go into some big ones. But no, it was great. It was great to see just for the sport in general. I was going to say there were a lot of cameras, a lot of fans out in uh, the Cathedral City uh california uh, trying to watch uh, jocelyn allo uh break lauren chamberlain's home run record and i guess her home run record now that she has matched it but uh just a cool weekend for for not just oklahoma softball but like you mentioned just the sport in general this was a really cool celebration would have been awesome if she could have gotten it there uh but now i mean in kind of a just one of these things that just happens this way, uh, you know, so many of these teams just does not feel like they want to be the team to give up number 96, which has paved the way for Jocelyn to potentially break the record on Monday when Minnesota comes to visit OU. And then she'll be in her home state of Hawaii for Hawaii's uh, tournament, which would be really cool for her to break the record in her home state. And one of those things that I just didn't think was going to be able be possible at the pace she was going it it is strange like i feel like when she does get this record like teams aren't gonna four pitch walk her all season i don't feel like that can be something that sustains like this past weekend was annoying and shout out to ou softball uh twitter account for x like just expert level trolling of i don't even know if trolling is the right word but just the amount of uh, just pettiness, just seeing every time Jocelyn was walked, there was there was a tweet from OU Softball just acknowledging how uh, how annoying it was throughout throughout yeah. the weekend. Patrick Dunn was killing the game there. 
But yeah, um, someone asked me before the Utah game, um, they thought the tournament was over for the weekend. And I was like, well, there's one more. It was Sunday morning. And I was like, well, there's one more game today. But if it doesn't happen today, like you just mentioned, Joe, I was telling that person about the Minnesota game um, at home at Marita Hines and then the the um, four games in Hawaii. And I mean, those are those are some really cool opportunities that that sets up. Um, you know, I know that there were a lot of people there at the Mary Nutter waiting for uh, hoping to see it happen then. But imagine imagine the scene that uh, is going to be at Marita Hines this coming Monday. Oh, it's going to be, I mean, I would imagine it'll be uh, almost postseason esque I would imagine Oklahoma, I, I haven't confirmed this, and maybe, uh, I don't know if you know something that I don't know, but they would have to bring in extra seats for this, right? Like, I feel like this is going to be a huge crowd on Monday. Yeah, I, well, I mean, first of all, it's good that I believe that those seats that they used to put up um, further down the uh, uh, baselines, those are yeah. permanent now, so they got those there. And then, I mean, maybe if it if they get the vibe that it's going to be big enough, uh, they might bring in they like you you might I don't I don't know anything. This is all me like thinking out loud. But like um, for super regionals, they brought in a TV and set it up so that people could sit kind of like in the area in the in the grass where the um, where the pride practices and watch it on the TV. Um, now with the way that this weekend went, I don't know how, how much maybe they want to put into that because again, it would be, I think a pretty cool, really cool moment if she breaks it at home. But, you know, it seems like for right now, teams are giving her maybe one good at bat, one chance. And if not, then it's walks the rest of the way. Um, the first nine games of the season, she was walked. I looked this up. She was walked five times in nine games. And then she broke the, uh, she tied the record, um, against Texas state. And then in the five games since then, she's been walked 10 times, um, two each against, uh, CSU, um, Fullerton and Long Beach state once against Arizona three times against Tennessee and then twice by Utah. So again, just like doubling her walk production in like half the games since she tied that record. It's a, uh, the, the, the way that like pitcher and the one thing that's not, it's good and bad for Oklahoma right now that this is happening because obviously like it is putting a lot of pressure on the rest of Oklahoma's bats to step up. And in a way, like if you saw this weekend, just, you know, they, they dominated uh, Cal State Fullerton and Long Beach State. And then when they went into that Arizona game, they, they win that in five, five innings, 10 to two. I, I was just like, is Oklahoma going to get challenged anytime soon? And of course, the Tennessee game happens, uh, which was a whole lot of fun. And then Utah the next day, uh, lower scoring and fun in a different way. Just seeing how Oklahoma deals with the adversity, which is something that, you know, I have said before, like, I, I want to see what this team does. And after a lot of, you know, and I try not to take too much stock into what people say online because, you know, there, I feel like there is a vocal minority of like probably people that think that Oklahoma played a really soft schedule and aren't the number one team in the country. And you saw a lot of chatter, uh, at least like on the instantly softball account, some chatter about, well, how for real is this Oklahoma team? And 
they are really, really good. And I mean, I still think they're the best team in the country. And I think a lot of people uh, outside of Norman would agree with that uh, to be able to do what they did this past weekend. And especially just, you know, you're talking about a 24 hour stretch where you're playing essentially a 24 hour stretch where you're playing three games against three power five, you know, teams. And one of them is Arizona and another is an sec team in Tennessee, which Tennessee is pretty good and has had a really good program. But for them to kind of navigate that, especially with a lot of the youth that they have in the circle and some of the inexperience that they have and just dealing with this Jocelyn Allo thing, I'd say this is a, this was, you know, kind of a more, you know, rewarding weekend for Oklahoma softball, as opposed to, you know, beating teams, 14, nothing, 10, nothing in five innings. I, I thought it was not just, you know, good for, you know, our own entertainment, but Probably Patty Gasson, we won't be able to talk to her until Thursday. Um, I would imagine she'll say a lot of nice things about the the adversity and just kind of how her team kind of the, the phrase she uses a lot is just bowed up in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, if there's one thing I know from uh, talking to Patty Gas over the years when the team goes on a lot of these early season like run rule streaks is that you lose a lot of you lose a lot of innings for your pitchers and you know, time out on the field. Um, and so, you know, when you have to go into 10 innings like they did against Tennessee, you kind of get some of those innings back maybe, and you get to uh, test yourselves in some new ways. And so I think that like these games were definitely very important for OU. Um, that Utah game was actually the first time this season that OU hasn't scored the first run. So um, it was interesting to see how they responded to adversity in some ways, um, for sure. And speaking of, you know, the Utah game, Jocelyn had been hitting second or third um, earlier in the weekend. And in that game day, uh, Patty put her as the leadoff batter in an attempt to inspire um, maybe the Utah pitchers to pitch to her. But when you have, you know, the rest of the lineup struggling a bit more like they were, they really didn't have, you know, a ton of incentive to to pitch to her, I feel like. Well, I was going to say it just kind of with what OU has in this lineup with, you know, Jana Johns has kind of been pretty consistent, but, you know, th- there has been, I don't want to say a fall off. There's just that there has been a lack of, you know, consistency with what they've been able to kind of put out there. And you're kind of finally not in no way is this like, saying that the wheels are falling off of OU softball, but you're just kind of finally seeing some of that youth catch up with them. And a little bit of that, I guess this is just kind of how, you know, softball seasons go. You are not going to be on. And if you look back at OU softball season last year, you know, I I think it was very clear OU softball. They're the champion, like the national champions, but like, it's very clear they're the best team, but not every part of that season was perfect. And now you get into this one and you're kind of finally seeing, some of those, I guess, flaws that, uh, are, you know, kind of get exposed a little bit. And in that being that, you know, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, I know exactly, you know, kind of schematically or not schematically, but just like what, what was wrong with Oklahoma, but just as far as just kind of what you saw with, you know, Jordy ball, finally having freshman moments, you know, just like those intangibles kind of, you know, catching up with Oklahoma that you just don't really can, you know, kind of, you know, lean on as far as just like a veteran team when they are in May. And even, even last year with, you know, 
some of the youth that that Oklahoma had, they, you know, they relied a ton on Tiara Jennings and she got better as the season went on. Uh, but this is a, this is a softball team that, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to, I, guess, I feel like I'm like trying to like calm down panic for some reason when there's not really any panic, but it's just, it, it is interesting to see some of those more uh, immeasurable things kind of pop up for Oklahoma in, in a way that, you know, they, they do have to kind of navigate in situations that they just can't get out of an intra squad scrimmage or anything like that. Yeah, and I mean, also, they won nine games in a row by run rule. Like, no team is going to run rule their way to every win. And honestly, if they did, that would be more concerning, I think. Because then they're really not playing anyone that challenges them. They're really not, you know, showing what they can do. Um, And then, like, then you start to worry about, like, when they do get challenged, what happens? And so it's it's good that OU got challenged, and I think that you're right. It made for it made for some really exciting games to to listen to for me to listen to um, Plank call on the radio. But yeah, you know, and I like also early in the season every year, um, Patty always talks about how they want they don't want to peak right now. They want to peak uh, in June. So part of peaking in June is. Um, winning some close games now, uh, going to extra innings now, you know, like learning to fight through adversity, learning what that looks like, learning how they react to it. Um, And so games like this are really important learning experiences for OU. And I'm sure that we'll hear Patty say something about to that effect when we get to talk to her on Thursday. As far as like Jordy Ball and Hope Trotwine and Nicole May, how did you feel about kind of the pitching staff as a whole? Because, you know, beating teams by these large margins is in part a factor of the pitching being as good as it has been through the first two weekends. But Oklahoma finally gave up an earned run. Uh, Patty Gasso giving her alma mater, uh, Long Beach State, the the honors of doing that with, a, I believe it was a home run. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what you made of just kind of this pitching staff and also just uh, I mean, if you, if you don't have any big prevailing thoughts about like how Patty, Patty managed her pitchers, then that's fine. But I'm, I'm just curious how you thought uh, they went about this weekend. Yeah, definitely. I mean, first, to get into Long Beach State was, what, the 12th game of the season or something like that? And finally, like, that's when you give up the first earned run of the year? Like, that's insane. Um, that's, like, borderline, like, unheard of. So, I mean, they, like, they were going to give up runs at some point, you know, they're gonna like, uh, Jordy ball walked in a run against Tennessee, like things like that are going to happen. Um, but I still think that the pitching staff did a pretty impressive job. Um, uh, Jordy got a, uh, was it a five inning or a six inning perfect game against Cal state Fullerton? I was going to say, um, I, <laughs> that, that is I, like, I didn't want to, I probably should have mentioned that uh, or preface with that just because like it, it was impressive that she was able to go through. It was, yeah. Um, a six inning perfect game against Cal State Fullerton. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no, you're good. But yeah, no, like that's, that's really impressive. And then, you know, for, her and Nicole May to face some adversity in Tennessee and kind of like battle through it and figure it out. And uh, 
Jordy, I think, pitched like 8.1 innings against Tennessee. Um, more work than she's had to do in most of these games. But and And then got 16 strikeouts, which is, I believe, her high for the year. But also she pitched an extra 1.1 innings. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, still some really impressive performances by these pitchers. And like, even though they did give up some runs across the weekend, um, it's not like any, they let any team get into like big numbers. I mean, yeah, Tennessee got eight runs and that's the most runs they've given up all season, but that was across 10 innings. So, but yeah, no, I still think, I, I think that, um, the, this pitching core of um, Ball, May, and Troutwine is is really solid and really impressive, and you got to see them, you know, really put in some work this weekend. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I really have any, like, grand thoughts to share with you all about um, the way that Patty used the pitchers, but it's it's good to see, you know, her using them as like a real true, almost kind of a rotation. Um, And it's cause it kind of seems like that's what she's doing at least early. And they all seem to be in my opinion, at least responding to it really well. Did you have any big thoughts, Joe? I was just curious what what you made of kind of like how she managed Jordy ball, because I mean, obviously she was, she was really good in the circle and was, I think really effective at times. And the Tennessee game is really the one that just kind of pops out where, you know, she has 16 strikeouts, but she also, you know, gives up six runs in that game. And I think it does say a lot about not that, like, I don't think that Patty really, I'm, I'm like, th- I'm trying to think back just kind of like as many OU softball games as like both of you and I have watched, but like, I don't think she has like a quick trigger on like taking out a pitcher. Um, she really likes, her team, especially in the regular season to kind of just like, you know, figure it out, like, you know, work through it. And I think that, uh, that confidence in Jordy perhaps goes a long way. Maybe I'm looking like reading too much into it. I do think we're going to get to talk with Jordy for the first time this season on Thursday. Um, if, uh, if my recollection of Patrick Dunn's email from a few hours ago is correct, but, uh, yeah, that the, I'm. I'm just really interested to see how that confidence, if at all, manifests in like how she presents herself to her, you know, her first press conference. And uh, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah. No, I think that like you're totally right because in the fifth inning of that Tennessee game, um, she gave up three runs. And kind of as I was as I was listening to it, you know, um it seemed like that's what Patty was doing. She was leaving her in there and letting her figure it out and kind of like determining maybe an amount that she thought was like tolerable that they could give up before she needed to um, pull Jordy. And I think that giving up three tied the game. Um, And then Nicole May comes in and gets the last out of the inning. But um, Patty did have her, have her figure it out for a little, for, or try to have her stay out there and figure it out for a bit. And then you saw, Nicole May, not Nicole May, um, Jordy Ball come back in for Nicole May later in the game. And like I said, uh, I believe walk in uh, the tying run that sent the game into extra innings, but then stay out there and work through it some more for all of the extra innings. So it was interesting to see, um, like, Patty put that confidence 
or put her put that faith into into Jordy and uh, to see it kind of pay off in their advantage. But also, I, I mean, I think that Jordy, even though she's a freshman, um, is probably has probably the best arm of this pitching staff. And so also kind of like, who would you rather have out there? I was going to say, like, it, it is interesting to me. I know she, uh, Jordy pitched uh, a lot, obviously, on Friday. Um, but, I mean, maybe overlooked a little bit is just the fact that kind of, or I guess the order of the games, because, you know, they, they take on Arizona uh, in the first part of their doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, Patty goes with Nicole May in, in, in the circle. And as much as we talk about Jordy and kind of what we think, OU has in someone like Hope Trotwine just providing a lot of veteran experience. What a game for Nicole May to go out and beat a top, ten, you know, to get get a win against a top ten team. She finished uh, against Arizona with ten strikeouts, uh, gave up five hits, gave up two runs, but I mean, overall, like, just couldn't ask for more. And she obviously had an offense that you know, was working well for Oklahoma. But I mean, I feel like she's a little bit of the one that, you know, even though she is the returning pitcher, like, I don't feel like we maybe talk about her enough. And I thought that was a bit of a statement for her to go out and get a win like that. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I think even last year as a freshman, you know, she, she did some pretty impressive stuff. And I think she maybe doesn't get talked about as much because she's not, at least in the way she, you know, um, presents herself to, to the media and the way we like see her, she's not the the loudest one on the team. She's not, you know, the most like vocal or like necessarily like in the spotlight player of them all. But she like she can she is another like incredible pitcher on this on this Sooner staff. And like you said, like the ten strikeouts against Arizona, that's that's a real statement to make against a top ten opponent. Um, and so, yeah, I think that maybe because, you know, she's not as as outspoken as as some of these other players, she doesn't get as much attention as some of them. But I mean, she definitely deserves it because she like she can come out and have games like this. And she is also very consistent. So. So did you see the you see the new division one rankings, the, or the D1 softball rankings? Oh, did those come out today? I can, I honestly forgot it was Tuesday, Joe. Yep. We got new rankings. Well, uh, came out yesterday, but yes, they are out. Um, I was just, I was, I was curious how uh, far, cause I mean the, the ranking stuff, I guess, as far as like what we do, doesn't really matter all that much because like a, like, you know, rankings are, you know, good, but in the sport of softball, it's, it's about RPI. It's not, necessarily about i mean <laughs> it's funny like there, there's so many like different like softball polls that just you know mm-hmm. i'm not saying that they're meaningless but uh following kind of like the 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 d1 softball rankings is just interesting to me arizona dropped to 18 um oh, oh yeah okay well the then top 10 opponent yeah arizona so sorry but oh no i mean great what's strange is like D1 softball has had them at 16 last week. I'm assuming that their top 10 ranking came from NFCA. This is great podcasting, by the way. Oh, so such great podcasting. Um, the ESPN USA softball poll has them at 16. Let's see. What is Arizona? Man, that's crazy. Okay, so NFC, the, the 
the NFCA, which I've never really gotten a clear. I've talked to myriad OUSOPOL SIDs trying to figure out the answer. What is the poll you care about? And there's not really a consensus, but the NFCA poll still has Arizona as a top 10 team, um, dropped them one spot uh, from last weekend. So that's their poll. But Oklahoma uh, is the consensus number one um, across all of these and stays at number one. And there's obviously, you know, Alabama, Florida State right behind them. It's uh, in Florida as well. Florida um, still undefeated as well. Um, It's just a really good softball going on. It's just, I, you know, I I look around the country at like what the trying to keep up with like the scores around the country. And it's just really impressive to see like how much talent, uh, I guess, as we, I feel like I've written this story a few times just about like the increased level of competition um, in college softball. But the season in particular, it's just, it's getting tougher and tougher. But yeah, Arizona still top 10. Uh, Tennessee dropped one spot in the NFCA poll, but um, almost thought they might get like a bump from, even though they lost, like it's a, you know, not to borrow an SEC football term, but a quality loss in, in, a, in a lot of respects. I think quality losses exist in softball. I think that that's a, we need to have like a conversation about that. Like, I, I think that quality losses can exist in the sports of softball and baseball where you're just playing a high volume number of games, football, football, not so much. (laughs) Well, and that's where I said it last week, but anybody can beat in softball and baseball. Anybody can beat anybody on any day. And again, in, in college, that's becoming more and more true every year. And when that's the case, like, um, I believe, and, Joe, you can you can live fact check me on fact check me on this, but I believe I heard Chris Plank say that Texas State beat Arizona State on Sunday. Um, so, you know, like uh, Power Five teams can lose all the time. I think that Texas Tech might have beaten Northwestern, and Northwestern beat UCLA. So, Texas State beat Arizona State two nothing. Yeah. So anybody. And then, vulnerable. and then proceeded to lose nine to five to Tulsa. So anything can happen. A weird weekend, a weird, weird weekend, but um, a lot. To, I mean, just so much to take away from it. I'm before, I don't want to move off of uh, the, the, the Mary Nutter classic. Was there any other big, uh, big takeaways you had from the weekend? Um, no, honestly, honestly, I think, we covered them all. I mean, Jana Johns's consistency again. I think if if Jocelyn Allo weren't in the chase for ninety six, I think that every conversation would be about Jana Johns because she is doing some pretty impressive things as of late. But um, no, I think that just it's interesting to it's going to be interesting to see when that one comes, especially because it didn't come this weekend. Um, you know, Lauren was there. I, uh, I'm assuming it'll be pretty easy for them to get Lauren Chamberlain in in Norman for that home game. Uh, I wonder if I wonder if it doesn't happen then. If if Lauren's going to fly out to Hawaii, I mean, I would. Who would who would mind? Who among us would oh, say, yeah. "Oh no, I can't go to Hawaii"? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, oh, you might fly her out. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know um, if they can do that or not, but. 
You're like, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, you ever think about the fact that like Lauren is now the commissioner of, uh, like of a professional softball league. And I, I say this, I say that in regards to just like, just think about any professional league. Imagine like, uh, it, like, I, I wonder how that like conflicts if at all, just like with her relationship with OU, if she has to separate herself from it. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, um, should have asked her that last week. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Chapman um, asked her about being the commissioner. Uh, I don't think anyone asked her about those conflicts of interest, but, you know, it's pretty exciting to see. Like we were talking a couple either last week or the week before about, you know, the need for more, more visible uh, professional women's softball. And um, hopefully they can, like, uh, they can get this league up to a point where it can be that because again, like I try to talk about every week, this sport is growing in a way that it, it needs that. But we're talking about um, Lauren Chamberlain now, and uh, we've been talking about Jocelyn and potentially breaking this record for a while. And I wanted to share with you this quote that I found from Jocelyn's dad, uh, Levi, um, from a story that I wrote for the OU Daily in 2018 when Jocelyn was a freshman. Um, that I found the other day and that I just thought was like so funny and appropriate given like the situation right now. Um, but so she's taught, uh, so it was, it was 2018 and, you know, Dawson's already getting compared to Lauren Chamberlain and it, it's obviously, you know, like a lot of pressure to be told like as a freshman, like, Oh, are you going to try to break the home run record and all that stuff? So this is, um, so when I asked Levi about this, he kind of told me what he, he told Jocelyn, and it was this quote. He said, you haven't done anything in college yet. You have to go out and prove yourself in college before you can even think about having your name in the same sentence as someone like Lauren Chamberlain. And I just think that that's so funny because, like, literally, we had a 90-minute press conference uh, last week with Jocelyn and Patty and Lauren, that was all about putting their names next to each other in sentences. It's a, it's, it's quite remarkable where, uh, where Jocelyn has come from and just kind of the, the world that she now lives in as like, you know, softball's home run queen, just where, where she came from that freshman year. It's funny. Uh, I remember speaking, uh, speaking to Jocelyn's dad, uh, a year after that, because she, I, I was writing a story mostly because the, the team was really good, but, uh, just some inside baseball stuff, just like being a beat writer for a softball team is a little difficult because there are so many games that you, you really have to stretch some, not, not stretch narratives, but like find interesting stories to kind of keep you going through while, while, while you're going through the, you know, not so I'm not going to name drop any teams, but like the not so fun parts of the schedule where OU is just going to win by like 15 runs. But I remember talking to him and like it, uh, about like the, that new year's E or that new year's before her freshman year. Like she like told, like told her dad that like, or like, I think they made like a bet and like that, like she uh, would hit like 25 home runs um, and not sorry. OU compliance. They did not place any money or anything like that. It was just like a, a father daughter kind of thing. Um, but, uh, talking about like, just like if she can hit 25 home runs in her first season, really lofty goal. Um, she ends up hitting 30. Um, but like they, they talked about that, like on new year's Eve, just talking about like, you know, like th their goals and like, 
you do kind of get the sense and you know we, we kind of talked off air a little bit just about like how like jocelyn um approaches questions and she's she's very candid she's very blunt um and i love that about her because i mean there's so many times where sports writers will ask you know like you know like how did you feel in that moment and it's just like there's really not much of an answer like just like you, you kind of forget like this is this is not as dramatic as i think we all make it out to be sometimes but like and, and jocelyn but I think in the regard of Jocelyn and I, I mean this just like, or the, the point I'm trying to make is just like how goal oriented, how business-like uh, she is, how she approaches softball is so much more. Um, it's just, such, she, she just takes a very mature, like m- much more veteran approach to it. And I think we've seen that kind of through the years and um, it's no surprise that she's had, at least in my opinion, I don't think it's any surprise that she's had the success that she's had. And uh, I mean, I'm, kind of looking at what she's done as, as far as just like setting a record. Um, I, I can't wait for that record a to be broken because I am curious to see how pitchers treat her after that. Like, cause I mean, like who cares about giving up number, you know, 97 or 98, um, maybe somewhat, may, maybe teams like when she gets to like 99, they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to give up the first, like, you know, 100 ball in college softball history, but um it's it's been a cool story to follow and i i I hope that the podcast listeners are not sick of us talking about jocelyn allo because we've talked a lot about her over the past three weeks but she's the biggest story in softball right now i think that i think that's a very fair thing to say yeah no absolutely and i mean if and when she does hit number 96 then we'll then we'll talk about some other things maybe but you know for right now that's that's what it is and i really liked what you said um business-like. I think that that's a good way to describe it because obviously, you know, they all, like everyone playing at the college level takes it serious. You know, it is, it is a game and part of it is having fun, but when you're playing at this level, it is very serious. And, but I think a business-like approach, I think is the perfect way to describe Jocelyn for sure. Yeah. It's just cool to see. Um, and I think that's just, I mean, I think a lot of that and not to take anything away from like what Jocelyn's doing, but I just, yeah, that's that's Patty Gasso's program, and mm-hmm. that's a lot of how her players kind of carry themselves. And so, uh, gonna be fun. Uh, I, I, and especially, I feel like Thursday's uh, media availability is gonna be electric with not only Jordy but Jada Coleman. Jada Coleman, who is just a ball of energy. Anytime yeah. a camera's like pointed at her, she is always just you know a and big the hero vibe. of the Tennessee game, which I don't think we said anything about. Um, she had that two run home run to, to end that, to finally end that one completely glossed over that. Uh, I mean, and that's a big, as much as like, we kind of mentioned like Jana and Jennings and, uh, you know, even, you know, someone like, you know, Grace Lyons, like Jada Coleman can hit, like, she's not Mm -hmm. just, I mean, and I think that like most people kind of know her as like a, a very athletic base runner. I mean, just can, can really, you know uh she just has a lot of speed to her game and i i think that like with what she does a as a base runner but defensively overshadows that part where like if if you need her to like deliver at the plate like she can and and that was really i I, i'm glad that you mentioned that because it would have i would have felt really bad like ending this podcast without mentioning jada coleman or any time in any type of way yeah no absolutely and you mentioned how electric she is in front of if you when you put a camera in front of her and if if any of the listeners out there haven't seen 
the um, videos of the team getting off the bus and, you know, uh, Jada getting hyped up and, and screaming at the, at the, at the phone camera, you should, you should go check those out or at least look forward to the, to the next one. Um, whenever Patrick tweets it, I'm sure there will be plenty more. Um, but yeah, Abby, I think that, uh, does it for us today. Yeah. Great talking to you as always, Joe. That does it for today's pod. Appreciate Abby for coming on once again and hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the eyes in Oklahoma podcast, which is available on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you are subscribed and uh, get the newsletter as well. Eyes in Oklahoma.com get the free newsletter. Uh, sorry. It's been a little bit sporadic lately and uh, we will, uh, we will work on that. But anyway, from all of us at eyes in Oklahoma, my name is Joe Irwin Bettner and we will catch you next time.